Enjoy basketball, soccer, and all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using bonus code CHAMPION and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Plus, when you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, player props, and daily boosted odds specials. Download the BetMGM app today or go to BetMGM.com and enter bonus code CHAMPION and place your first wager risk-free up to $1,000. Now you're winning with the king of sportsbooks. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. and Virginia only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Coco Express Network. Talk radio that informs. Talk radio that inspires. Talk radio that enlightens. Talk radio for us all. Good afternoon and welcome to the Cocoa Express Show Network. My name is Aurelia and I'll be your host for today. Today's show is communication skills for women. Um, it, it's so important. This topic is so important and so relevant. And the um, amazing thing about it is nearly 10 years ago, I had our guest on the show and we had the same conversation. Dr. Claire Dampkin Brown, um, she was our guest. And during that time, you know, we discussed one of her books that she co-authored um, called Code Switching, How to Talk So Men Will Listen. And she co-authored that with uh, a Dr. Audrey Nelson. And I wanted to have her back on the show because I was intrigued about everything that I was seeing today in regards to Me Too, Time's Up, and all of those different movements for women. And I wanted to know, you know, where are we today? What has changed since her last visit. Now, before we begin, please let me give you um, a brief background about Dr. Claire Dampkin Brown. She is the founder and president of Dampkin Brown Associates, LLC. She's a, save, a savvy speaker, industry consultant, and seminar leader specializing in diversity and equal employment opportunity strategies, gender communication, sexual harassment prevention, and cultural competency. She has 25 years of corporate experience in Fortune 50 companies directing diversity-related organizations, investigating discrimination cases, and training professionals. Her University of Denver doctorate focused on male-female workplace communication. She enjoys consulting nationally with corporate agencies and communities to build inclusive leadership skills and harassment-free work environments. Now, I have to say that in today's culture and environment, we really need to understand how, as women, we can communicate better to be more effective and to find ourselves in those key positions to make change. 
and I would like to now stop and um, get into the conversation with Dr. Um, Dr. Brown so we can see what has changed over the years since our last visit and what can we learn from the things that are going on today. Dr. Brown, thank you for joining us. Good morning, Aurelia, and uh, thanks for having me today. Well, in terms of what has changed in the past 10 years, I think the main thing that has has changed for the positive is a lot of these issues are more out in the open in terms of what's impacting women in the workplace. But um, unfortunately, it takes more than just having the issues out in the open. It takes people in position to make the changes that we need to see, as you mentioned. Uh, One of the things that is uh, still an issue is unequal pay between men and women, and we see that in the news all the time about what percentage uh, income women are earning compared to men. And right now it's around 81 cents, or you may hear 82 cents for when you think of the income for all women compared with income for all men. And 10 years ago, it might have been 73 cents or something in that area. So it has changed, but it's not quite there yet. And uh, another study came out looking at including all the part-time work that women do and uh, compared with the total amount of work. And that percentage rate was even less. It was around 49 cents, I think, was the percentage compared to what uh, men earn in that same category. Hmm. The other issue is we also look at uh, earnings for women of color. And I would encourage people to go to the website for the Institute for Women's Policy Research, IWPR.org, and they can read all about the changes we've seen but the places we need to go. For Hispanic women, it's about 54 cents when they compare the salary to white men. Um, black women, the, the percentage is 62 or 62 cents compared to the salaries of white men. And uh, unfortunately, Native American women, there's so few in the categories that they use to compare salaries. Um, they don't have the exact percentage, but we know it's low. And uh, Asian women and Asians historically in the U.S. are... Uh, pursue higher educations and they pursue different jobs where the salaries are larger. So they're actually at about 90 cents when they're compared to salaries of white men. So Asian women salaries are higher. But overall, when we look at women, it's still, it's still not 100%. It's not parity. So it's 82 cents. And according to this, the Institute, it'll be 2059 before women reach parity. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, and it's worse when you look at the uh, income comparisons for women of color. So it takes even longer. So they're suggesting 
for for it to reach parity, um, the women's salary, in order to close this gap, the women's wages have to rise faster than the men's wages. And it's possible, but uh, not without continued and intentional change and discussion around salaries to keep people aware of what's going on there. Well, I know that um, a lot of organizations, they don't even want people to know what the other person is making. Is that to keep this um, yes. in place? Um, partially, but I think they just write policies, and one of those policies is do not discuss your salary. People mm-hmm. will discuss salaries. But uh, I, I I can't tell you purposefully what's behind it. I can look like you're doing at the results <laughs> and see that the results are not very helpful. But right. and a lot of large corporations are auditing salaries and I'm trying to ensure uh, that there is some effort towards pay equity. But the other things we'll talk about, too, impact women on the job. The issue of sexual harassment, Mm -hmm. and unfortunately, that's still there. And sexual abuse, sexual violence, harassment in the workplace. And um, that's where you just mentioned earlier the Me Too movement and how that's impacting people. Yeah. So the Me Too movement, I believe, again, brought the issue out in the open but also, there's millions of women that have signed up at that hashtag Me Too, saying that enough is enough, and mm-hmm. it's gone around the world. There's comparable hashtags in several countries, and that's a a great uh, statement about where women are in the work environment and the changes that they're expecting. And some of the change has happened. We're seeing some court cases occur, which we wouldn't have seen 10 years ago or maybe even five years ago. So it's good that people are talking about the topic and trying to hold people accountable. Now, you know, all of this is great. And as I, you know, explained to you early on, um, when I was preparing for the show, there were so many different things that I wanted to, you know, discuss. And it seemed as if everything that I looked at on TV gave me another area in which I wanted to discuss with you. And I wanted to discuss, because I watched two particular shows where they use women as scapegoats. Um, women become convenient for when they have a particular image that they're trying to portray. How do we get past that? How do we get over that? I think it's important for women to be very conscious of how they portray themselves. And uh, by monitoring your own, it's like self-monitoring, thinking of what you're saying, thinking of how you're presenting yourself, thinking of the image that you want out there of yourself, And I don't know the specific situations you're talking about, but uh, it's important not to buy in to the issues that are around you or the systems that are in place. 
around you and uh, to kind of be aware of how you, what your image is and how you're presenting yourself and not get caught up with the other situations or whatever it is around you or be the scapegoat for a situation. Well, in one particular show, it was called Succession that I was watching. I was binge watching. Um, The daughter, she worked in a completely different arena in politics and her family um, had, um, I guess it was a a, a communications company you know, a television company, a communications company. And they wanted her on board, but they didn't want her on board. But they used her when they needed her to um, show the face of diversity and inclusion. And then when those particular opportunities were done with, they dismissed her and had nothing to do with her. How is it that we fall into those particular kinds of roles and how can we eliminate that kind of behavior? I I think it goes to being very conscious and aware of what's going on around you. And in that situation, it's hard sometimes to know that the people you trust are underneath it all trying to use you in some way. But, um, if you are in a situation where, like in some companies, they say, you know, women are hired as tokens or people of color are hired as, as tokens or affirmative action hires and that kind of thing, and they're not really there to do anything, I think the, the trick is to actually gain as much power as you can in that role. Be aware of how you are being used, if that's the situation. Gain as much power as you can and try to play it back on them or play it in the corporate environment to your advantage. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now It's not easy, but, oh, yeah. And they so can always come back and fire you like they did in that situation you mentioned. Yes. But gain as did. much as you can. So mm-hmm. if you're hired by one of these companies where you feel like you're a token, do they have an education program? If so, sign up for it and go get another degree while you're working for this company. And then at some point, move on to some other location. Or if they pay for you to go to conferences and travel and do different things, uh, meet other clients and uh, take advantage of it and meet as many people and connect with as many people as you can. And then when you're, you feel confident about moving around and move around to another position and get out of that company. Mm-hmm. Now, um, we, you know, we talked briefly about women being silenced in the workplace. I, I believe we spoke about that before. Um, how is it that women are sometimes silenced in the workplace? How can they eliminate that form of, I guess you could call it's a, I guess, a microcosm, I'm not even sure. Um, How do we get rid of that kind of behavior in the workplace? Women are often seen as they don't belong in the work environment, especially in male-dominated workplaces. So part of that is, as you're saying, being silenced or feeling invisible in the work environment. And what I encourage women to do through 
the communication communication tools is to uh, speak up and get their voices heard. So women need to be seen and heard in order to get the job, get the recognition, get better pay, get promoted, all those good things. And women can learn to use various communication skills in order to do that. Uh, One of those skills, I think, is managing interruptions. So we have found various studies have been done that talk about um, men interrupting women more than women interrupt men. And how do you get around that in the work environment? So this usually happens, you're at a meeting, it's both men and women present. And it's not that men don't interrupt other men, they do. But they also interrupt women. And women have been uh, socialized and learned that they keep silent, they let the other person talk, they have a more polite style of communication. And uh, so when they're interrupted, they often just not get back into the discussion. So in order to work around that, a few suggestions are uh, the woman needs to establish control of the conversation again. And she can do that by uh, gaining eye contact with the interrupter then drawing attention back to herself by making a brief statement uh, and that gets the whole group to focus back on the woman and then finish her thought. So she could say things like, uh, Steve, I wasn't quite done yet, or hold that thought just a moment while I finish. Let's wait on questions until I'm done. Uh, Also, the woman could start speaking louder, and that would draw attention back to her. And I've even seen it where the woman has stood up, and Mm -hmm. that automatically everybody looks back at her to see what's going on, and then she'll say, okay, I'll continue now. And uh, the other thing that helps also is there should always be a good facilitator in the meeting, and that's not Mm -hmm. always the case because a good facilitator would make sure each person is getting their turn to speak and is not interrupted. And some companies have already issued like a a no interruption rule Mm -hmm. for their group conversations. So that way each person does get heard. And another thing someone could do would be to have a buddy in the group who will say, wait, so-and-so, Sue, Sue was just interrupted. Let's go back and hear what she has to say. So that's one way to make sure women can get their voice out in that kind of situation. Another situation is what I call uh, the art of the brief response or the power of one. And it's one word, one sentence, and then one paragraph. And what I mean by that is Sometimes women will find themselves in situations where uh, the man will ask a question, will you have the report on Friday? And 
she'll say, well, I don't know if I'll have it on Friday. It might be Friday afternoon. Did you know Bob was sick? I don't have all the data from Bob yet. And uh, we're going to go to lunch on Thursday to talk about it. Do you want to go to lunch with us? And by this time, the man is looking at his watch and trying to figure out how to get out of there. But um, the men are expecting a, a more direct, that's their communication style, a more direct, action-oriented response and a short response. So what I suggest for women is answer initially with one word. So if he says, will you have the report on Friday, she says yes. If he needs more information, then he'll ask for it. Are you sure you'll have it Friday? Yes, Bob's sick, but I'll have the report. I'll get his information. So that's one sentence. And then if he still needs more information, oh, Bob's sick? What more can you tell me? Are you sure you'll have the data? And then she goes into the whole story with the details, a, a paragraph of, yes, Bob's out, but we talked before he went out sick. He has the information. He's emailing it to me this afternoon. I'll review it, and I'll get the report to you for Friday. So that way, um, she's responding in a way that he's expecting, and she can also ask when he says, will you have the report on Friday, just ask, is this a yes or no question? And he can say, well, it's a yes or no. And then she'll say, yes, I'll have the report, and then he walks away. That's all he needed. So that's another way to make sure you get your, your voice out. Yes. Well, I did read those same things in the book that you have um, been a part of called um, Leading Women. 20 Influential Women Share Their Secrets to Leadership, Business, and Life Strategies. And um, I have to say that I those tips that you gave, um, they were really so informative and helpful because you're absolutely correct by saying in most instances, men don't really want to hear a long, drawn-out story, and they'll tell you that. Yes, that's true. And mm-hmm. it goes back to, um, I'm saying how men and women speak, but the communication style is a feminine communication style and a masculine communication style. So the the masculine style is task-oriented, action-oriented, competitive, focused on a goal, Direct, so this is where they want that direct answer. Independent, they're on their own. And self-directed in speech. And what that means is men are very comfortable saying, I did this, I did that, I'm the greatest, and uh, et cetera. And then women or the feminine style is more process-oriented, and that's where the story comes in of, yes, I'll get you the information. It's almost like a circle. The whole they go, the woman will go through the whole circle of information and then end up at the same point where we started with the yes, you'll have it Friday. <laughs> and it's collaborative. Women like building relationships with people, so their communication is considered as we or other-directed. We did this, we did that. Will you have the report on Friday? 
we will have the report on Friday. But she's doing all the work. But she's more comfortable saying we will have the report. And we look at the feminine style <clears throat> also as rapport talk. They're focused on building rapport or building that relationship with people. And the male or masculine style is focused on report, just the facts. That was like dragnet, if you're old enough to remember, years and years and years ago. (laughs) Uh, Sergeant Friday would say, just the facts, ma'am. That's all he wanted. He didn't want all the extraneous information, just the facts. Mm -hmm. So that's that's where this idea comes in. Just yes. providing the facts. Um, so, if I may, um, I wanted to talk about the competitiveness in the work environment. Um, women, I sometimes believe, and I could be wrong, that they feel in order for them to succeed, get ahead, move up, they have to have a more aggressive, combative um, demeanor, and they are not inclusive, they are more divisive towards other women. Does it work that way or is it better when we come together and work together in tandem to succeed as opposed to individually and being combative? I think it's better to uh, exhibit the relationship building and being more collaborative. However, There is a big issue. That's where the whole concept of the queen bee syndrome comes in, where that concept is out there and people see that in different workplaces where once the woman reaches a certain level or the way she gets to that level is by stepping on everybody around her and throwing throwing others under the bus. And uh, unfortunately, from my perspective, that queen bee is not going to last for long. Even the queen bee dies in her in the honeycomb. In the honeycomb. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's not going to last. Just like there's some very arrogant men that are out there um, that make it to the top. The issue is for men the arrogance. And stepping on people is often viewed as a positive trait that um, they're tough, they're strategic, they're authoritative. Um, They're not afraid to step on you in order to get something done. And so they're admired. However, when a woman starts using, using that same type of behavior, then she's not viewed as this feminine, collaborative, um, sweet, understanding person. And so it creates a double bind for women. Do I uh, remain likable and nice, but then I'm not going to get the promotion? Or do I start being competitive, aggressive, and then... People don't like me, but I'm getting that promotion and I'm getting the job done. So it it is a real double bind, and and studies have been done that have looked at that. 
if I'm likable, then people say I'm not competent and I can't do the job. And if I'm competent, then people don't like me because they think I'm I'm stuck up or I'm the arrogant one, but I'm also getting the job done. So it does it is a difficult situation and I I think each person has to make a decision for themselves about what works best for them. And I also think it's uh, assertiveness and uh, women's assertive behaviors are viewed differently over the years. I think the younger people coming into the workforce, they just automatically, uh, I've seen the women just say, no, this is how we're doing it, you know. I'm taking that job and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And people in the older generations, the baby boomers, are more likely to sit and listen to the information, come to a decision, and try not to stir things around too much. But it's a, it's a different situation. And it's individual, too. Each person has to do what they're comfortable with and make the decision about, you know, it's just when we talk about unequal pay and um, sexual harassment, getting that promotion, what are the things that I'm willing to fight for in the workplace? And uh, unfortunately, there's a lot of stereotypes that are still out there. And a woman being assertive is often viewed as aggression. But I'm just saying I need to get the job done. And people will hear that as, oh, she's being bossy. And a nice feminine woman wouldn't be that bossy. So I don't know if you've seen that in situations. Yes, I have. I've seen that in situations. Now, when a woman, you know, when we're trying to, I guess you can say, buy for certain positions, I realize that, you know, we don't have enough CEOs that are females or board members that are females. But does that also tie into the fact that oftentimes they believe that um, being a woman um, doesn't allow for that kind of opportunity because we may want to do other things like become a mother? Is that some of the reasons why we're not in those um, higher ranking positions? Um, I think it goes to stereotypes, and different studies have been done that looked at, like, people comparing resumes for women and men, and the woman, it's the same resume, and the woman will mention um, she has two children, and, and they compare that with a man's resume who mentions he has two children, and the woman's resume is not selected then as often as the man's resume, even when it's the exact same information. So there is a perception, unfortunately, that uh, being a mother, you're not serious about your job. You're not serious about the work environment. And, and I don't know how more you can prove that women are serious about being a parent and moving up in their jobs when there's uh, a few different CEOs that you've seen that have had babies and, and continued working, but 
even they have had reporters question them about uh, how are you going to take care of your baby. Of course, their situation is different than the everyday mother because they have like 20 nannies to take care of the kids. (laughs) But it's still a perception that even they get asked those questions, how are you going to manage being a CEO and taking care of a new baby? They don't ask that of a male CEO, how are you going to manage being the CEO with your new child? So unfortunately, and again, the more you talk about these issues in the work environment, then the more you make people aware of them. I think the other thing that's helping is that we're seeing two-income families uh, increase. So in the past, it was the male was the breadwinner and the woman stayed home with the kids. We're seeing more and more families where, in order to survive in today's market, both both people in the couple need to work and bring in a salary in order Mm -hmm. to survive day-to-day expenses. And there's so many single parents, either a man on his own or a a woman on on her own raising families, it's just become a lot more common to have single parents in the work environment. But it goes back to making sure you're getting the job done and you're doing it well in order to – and you're getting your voice heard. That's the other thing, making sure – you're telling everybody you're getting the job done. There's also a big difference between men and women. Women mm. tend to think, I'm being nice, I'm working hard. Obviously, they'll see how hard I work, and they'll give me a bigger raise, or they'll give me that promotion. And that's not always the case. It's almost rarely the case. You need to talk about it all the time, about how great you are, what a wonderful job you're doing, and uh, you know what direction you want to go in. Keep everybody informed. I'm not staying in this job. You know, six months from now, I'm going to be in that corner office doing this, this, and this. And then after that, I'm going to have another promotion. So you need to let people know where you're going. Because it's not automatic that someone's going to say, "Oh, Jill works so hard. Let's give her a new job." That's that's not going to be the case. And if you look around. That's where the competitive nature comes in with the the man's the masculine style. They're always juggling around seeing what they can do next and where they can go and how they can outdo the person next to them. That's second nature to them. Hmm. And that's not a bad thing, but that's how they were socialized through mm-hmm. more sports-oriented activities where there's always a winner, there's a loser, and then we get back together and regroup and we go after the next task or the next item. And women were just not raised, socialized here in the U.S. in that same vein. So women have to work at getting the next job, getting the next step, talking about it. That also impacts the unequal pay issue. There are studies that have been done about uh, negotiating salaries, and women don't negotiate their salaries as often as men do. Women are are less likely, when they're given a 
an opening salary to work at a company, they're more likely to say, yes, that's great, instead of negotiating and seeing how much more they could get. Mm-hmm. And men are more likely to negotiate that. So you have right off the bat men and women coming into the same job at a different pay rate. Wow, that's inter- That's very interesting. You know, um, the other thing that I was kind of curious about is, is when women form groups, and I, I read somewhere instead of, you know, women have a tendency of sitting down and forming groups to talk about it and mentor each other, and that mentoring is um, a thing of the past, and women need to start, you know, showing and actively demonstrating as opposed to just mentoring. Is that true? I think it varies with the situation. I think personally it's always positive to find a mentor in your work environment. And if not directly in your work environment, then I think it is positive to find another group. Like we we heard about that lean-in group and different circles starting up. There's other mentoring groups for women. There's a different associations for women where they can go and talk about their job and what they need to do to work their way up in their organization. And some women may realize they're not going to be able to work themselves up in that organization, and it's more advantageous for them to move around to a different organization. So women can do that also. But I think mentoring, wherever you can find a mentor, that's important. And the mentor doesn't have to be another woman. There are, I, it may be hard to believe, but there are men out there that will mentor women and make sure they have the skills needed to move up in the organization. They'll kind of uh, make sure they're introduced to the different executives or the decision makers in the company so that they can uh, get their name out and meet new people and also understand how that particular system works where they are. So mentoring is important. I would I would never tell somebody don't have a mentor. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that do not have mentors, but if you can find someone who knows your work environment, that's great. If you find someone that you can uh, talk about your work efforts and what's going on in your work environment and get advice from them or a group, I think that's very helpful. Okay, excellent. Now, um, you have written and authored um, and co-authored a lot of books. And um, I wanted to know how can people, where can they go to find out more about you? I have a website that is uh, www.dampkinbrown.com, and the spelling is on your website. So they can go to my website to learn more. And uh, the names of the books, you mentioned one book, Code Switching, How to Talk So Men Will Listen. That's available mm-hmm. on Amazon uh, as an ebook and that came out in 2009, but the information 
I would like to say the information about how we communicate between men and women has changed, but there's a lot of information that is the same, and it's such gradual changes that we're seeing. Another book is the Gender Communication Handbook, which goes through a lot of detail. Uh, it's the Gender Communication Handbook, Conquering Conversational Collisions Between Men and Women, and that's also mentioned on my website and available at uh, Amazon.com. And the other book you mentioned was a an, an anthology by Nancy Riley, it's called Leading Women, 20 Influential Women Share Their Secrets to Leadership, Business, and Life. And the chapter that I have in that book, as you mentioned, talks about communication skills, and I call it Power Up, how to gain your power and credibility in the work environment with three tools, two of them I mentioned here, the managing interruptions and the art of the brief response. Mm-hmm. So it's important, I think, to have knowledge about how you communicate as an individual, understanding the masculine style, the feminine style, and also understanding when's the best time for me to use these particular skills. Mm -hmm. So if we have time, I'll mention one other item. Please, we have time. Uh, the other item that happens to women frequently, and this was mentioned in the Leading Women chapter, is um, preventing idea theft. And this is when a woman presents an idea in a group meeting, and nobody pretty much responds. And about 10 minutes later, it's usually one of the men will say, the same idea and then everybody's like oh that's fantastic why didn't I think of that that's a great idea and uh, so I call that idea theft and I didn't believe that would happen when I was studying communication skills and communication differences at college I had that was mentioned and I thought oh that's not going to happen to me and Sure enough, in a meeting, it happened, and I was sitting there with my mouth open. I just couldn't believe that this guy, like, across from me just said the same thing I just said. And everybody was, like, thrilled with it, and I was in shock. So here's some things you can do. I wish I knew this at the time. Usually when a a meeting is called, you know what the topic of the meeting is going to be. So... My suggestion is then for the the woman to think about, oh, these are the ideas that I want to present tomorrow. Just type them out, make a handout, paper copies, and then at the meeting the next day, just give everybody a copy of your ideas. Or you can email them your ideas the day before. Here's some things I'd like to talk about at tomorrow's meeting. So then if it does happen, at least they have some documentation. Oh, this idea came up through Jane when she passed out this information or she emailed me. And another is, again, to make a comment when that person says your idea. Try not to go into shock. 
but say something. <laughs> oh, Bill, I'm so glad you liked my idea. Let me finish talking about it. And then you can go back to talking about your thoughts. And the other, again, is the buddy system. Have a couple of people there that already know your idea and they support you. And when somebody else brings up the idea, just make a comment like, oh, isn't that what Susan said five minutes ago? Let's go back to Susan and hear more about it. So they draw attention back to you, and they give the floor back to you. So that's another way to get your information out. And often when you talk with men, men will say, oh, yeah, we do that all the time. Before we even go into a meeting, if I have a big issue, I want everybody's buy-in, I go and I talk with six or seven people that are going to be there and let them know that I want their support at the meeting. So they're already doing this kind of stuff. Mm. And that goes back to the competitive nature. They're not going to put themselves in a position where they might lose. So it's getting women more involved with getting their ideas out and making sure they get the recognition for those ideas. So it's just basically we have to be more proactive in our approach to how we interact at work. Yes. It's, I call it being intentional. Mm-hmm. So thinking about what tools are available, how I can manage these different situations when they come up, what makes me sound more authoritative, and, uh, and then really monitoring my own communication and using that style or making a choice of which tool I want to use in that particular situation to get heard, to make sure my voice gets heard. Okay, good. These are all really excellent tips that you've given, and it doesn't necessarily have to deal with, you know, people who work for other people. As an independent um, business owner, these are very helpful tools as well. And I'm telling you, in some instances, I wish I would have... um, known some of them before and the book code switching did help me a great deal when I originally read the book and it enabled me to have better um, interaction with some people that I had to deal with and I wanted to thank you for that also. Good. Well, I'm glad to hear that. That's what mm-hmm. it's for. Yes. Thank you. So I'm so glad we're together and I would once again love to have you back again because these issues just don't disappear. <laughs> We have to keep the dialogue going. I know. Home. Yes, it's a. I hope they get better the next time. By the next time we talk, they'll mm-hmm. be incrementally better. Yes, and we can talk about the improvements and the enhancements to um, a woman's role in the workplace at that time. Yes, that sounds good. Okay, great. So thank you again for your time. Um, once again, people can find you at your website and it's www is it um dampkinbrown.com yes dampkinbrown.com yes thank you and we will have you back again soon have a wonderful afternoon all right thank you it was a pleasure talking with you yes okay everyone 
that was kind of like a very important um, interview we just did right here with the amazing Dr. Claire Damkin Brown. And to get her to take some time out of her schedule to to discuss with her, um, you know, what did what we can do as women to um, better communicate and so that we can be more successful. You know, I I talk a lot about, you know, following your own goals and and following your dreams and all of those things. However, it's not going to happen if you don't know how to properly communicate your thoughts um, or the different initiatives you want to put in place. If you don't know, if you don't have effective communication, then everything just falls to the floor and nothing happens. And it's people like Dr. Brown who give us the tools that we need to be able to succeed. And I'm so grateful for this particular opportunity for for both myself and for my listeners. And um, I want to thank her for coming on the show. And we you know, need to have her come back more often and talk about these particular things because you can't learn enough about how to effectively communicate in our environments because we're in a different we're in a different landscape and as much information and knowledge as we can gather, um, that's better for us. That makes things better for us. It makes things better for everyone because it leaves a lot of mistakes on the floor and none of them are coming from you. They're just over there on the floor, and you won't have to encounter them or deal with them. So on that note, I am going to close the show, and we will be back again next week with more informative information for you, the listeners and the loyal listeners. Let me say that, the loyal listeners of the Coco Express Show Network. Thank you again. Have a wonderful weekend. Be well. God bless. Goodbye.